Today's episode is brought to you by Videoblocks. Videoblocks is a subscription-based stock media company that gives you unlimited access to premium stock footage everyone can afford. Premium content at a great value, and everything is 100% royalty-free. Get your subscription today for only $99 at www.videoblocks.com forward slash x forward slash wt. That's www.videoblocks.com slash x slash wt. The first PC that my family ever got, I think it was in 1997, 96, 98, something like that. It was made by Packard Bell, and it had a Pentium 120 megahertz processor, 8 megabytes of RAM, 1 gigabyte hard drive, and this default UI over the top of Windows 95. Your Packard Bell computer offers two computing environments to choose from. Our Navigator Home environment, or Microsoft Windows. You had to explore a fake 3D house and load programs by finding them on virtual bookshelves. To start your software, drag things from the shelves to where I'm standing. Keep all your files and letters in the dresser drawers. It was terrible. The most important specification for me was the total lack of a graphics card. Now, I didn't grow up with any video game consoles in the house, unfortunately. I'd I'd go to my friends' places and I would play Sonic the Hedgehog or Resident Evil and I would feel very jealous. So this PC that my family got was kind of the first opportunity for me to get into video games on my own terms in my own place. And it worked fine for some stuff. It, It came with some... Uh, Mega Drive puts like Echo the Dolphin and Comic Zone and it could play Doom and some old Star Wars games and so on. But in the late 90s PC games were really exploding with really awesome 3D capabilities and I learned that you would need something called a graphics card to make the most of them. Or they were called 3D accelerators often back then. This week on the Computer Chronicles, 3D graphics. We'll show you the difference a 3D accelerator card can make on your computer. So I asked my parents for the nerdiest Christmas present that I would ever receive. It was a pretty cheap card from 3DFX called a Voodoo Banshee. 3DFX PC accelerators. So powerful, it's kind of ridiculous. And they went to a PC shop and bought it with what I can only assume was total amusement and I installed it and wow my games looked amazing they, they blew away what my friends were playing on their playstations and nintendo 64s and this was really the first time that I became aware of technology in terms of performance and capability and I've been interested in computer hardware ever since Hello and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from TheVerge.com. I am your humble host, Christopher Thomas Plant. I am joined today by my friend and colleague, news editor at The Verge, Sam Byford. How are you doing today? I am great, Chris. It's been a beautiful day in Tokyo. How was it in uh, Texas today? It is, I, I'm not going to say cold because cold? it's like, <laughs> well, it's like 75 or 80 degrees, but it was cooler than I thought it would be when I took a walk this morning. I don't know Fahrenheit, but that I feel like people tell me 100 is like really hot. So 80, 75 sounds maybe good. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. I should be so lucky to have such a comfortable temperature. 
is, <laughs> this is weird. This is like, I think maybe like the second or third time we've talked about the weather at the beginning of, of what's tech. Well, I'm, I'm, Brit- uh, I'm British and I live in Japan. And if there's, one, <laughs> if there's one thing I know about British people and Japanese people, it's they love talking about the weather. And they also love talking about graphics cards. How about that? That was my segue. Well, the PC gaming scene in Japan, uh, but yeah. No, okay, not so much. Let's roll with it. <laughs> we'll, 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 we should actually circle. We'll circle back to that at, at the end of this. To start it off, graphics cards. We mentioned them in the intro. What is a graphics card? For or a graphic card, mm. uh, for somebody who doesn't know anything about like upgrading a PC. Okay, so graphics cards are, as you may have given, gathered from the intro, they're a piece of technology pretty close to my heart. At the simplest level, they're basically the the engine that powers video games. Now, when we talk about a graphics card, we are usually talking about PCs because a graphics card is a is a flat circuit board that you slot into the PC's motherboard, so that's why they're called cards. But the important thing is on that card is the GPU, which is a a graphics processing unit. And it's a type of processor that's kind of, in some ways it's secondary to the CPU, which is the main processor of a PC, but it handles the video output. And so it's more or less essential for modern video games and some other types of uh, video heavy software. And of course, other uh, devices like games consoles have GPUs as well. But the graphics card is the thing that you slot into a PC to run your games at like beautiful resolutions and high settings and so on. So when were these first made available for people like us? Like I, I imagine they existed in, I guess, professional senses before that. But when did when did a graphics card become, I guess, consumer friendly? Yeah, so like you said, video hardware has been around for a long time. But in terms of... Um, there being an industry for a dedicated graphics card that you would buy to upgrade your PC or a thing that you would uh, base a PC buying decision around. I would say it really took off around the mid to late 90s. The term GPU was actually sort of coined by NVIDIA in 1999. But before that, they were they were generally called 3D cards or 3D accelerators. And the market leader in the mid to late 90s was an American company called 3DFX. And they had a line called Voodoo. And I would say that the uh, the Voodoo 2, which came out in 1998, was really the big breakthrough for 3D accelerators. The Voodoo Banshee that I mentioned in the intro was sort of a Voodoo 2 with a, a 2D card bolted on. And the, the, Vo- the Voodoo 2 was kind of a de facto standard for a long time. You know, there were other competitors around, like... Uh, NVIDIA had a card called the Reva TNT that was quite popular, and uh, ATI had its Rage series. But yeah, the, the Voodoo 2 was sort of the big like mainstream thing that got people thinking, yeah, a 3D card is like a thing that I'm going to buy to make my PC games look better. Now, when I think of like when this is happening, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I honestly don't know. But I think about the transition from like Doom to Quake, right? Like Doom... For people, I, I think that's a game that a lot of people know, but it, one of the earliest first-person shooters, you are shooting uh, evil devil characters on Mars? Yes, that's right. And they're, like, made of pixels mm. and uh, maybe plastered on a, a single slide, essentially. They're 2D, uh, even though you're in a 3D space. And then Quake, you, you actually were, like, shooting at polygonal creatures. Mm. Uh, like, they had depth. Is, is that, like, when when gpus started being like necessary essentially as those sorts of games became more popular it wasn't necessary to have a gpu to run quake like i i would i would say your characterization right then is definitely accurate in that doom was like 
and and to be clear, Doom and Quake were made by the same companies, right? And you know, John Car- yeah. John Carmack is a programming genius who at at the time did things that nobody else was doing. So yeah, Doom was a groundbreaking game for its sort of like semi three D nature, and Quake was groundbreaking because of its fully three D nature. But Quake did not require a GPU. You could run you could run Quake without one. But what what GPUs did around that time was just make legitimately three D games look really really dramatically better so there were there were techniques like you know texture filtering for example i mean if you, if you think of how 3d games on the playstation one looked where you know they would be in 3d but you would look at a wall or a floor and the textures would be would be made up of you know discernible square pixels the kind of thing that a gpu would give you is the ability to sort of like you know filter that to make it a little like soften the edges and make it look a little more naturalistic so yeah um and of course first person shooters were the main beneficiary of uh, 3D cards, I would say, in the late 90s. It's easy to forget now with games like um, Halo and Destiny and so on, but first-person shooters were totally a PC thing in the 90s. Apart from Goldeneye, which is dubious whether it counts or not, um, the whole genre was totally a PC thing. And I, I think given that they were the most sort of popular 3D visually impressive games, that was sort of the main driving force behind GPUs. Like my, my first memory of even knowing that these were a thing is I remember reading an issue of Games Master, which was a British video games magazine. And they had a, a review of this Star Wars game, Jedi Knight. And there were two tiny little screenshots, um, and, uh, like the same screenshot, but it was like it was like the size of a postage stamp, literally. And it said, like, without a 3D card and with a 3D card. And then, then, then the caption was, Jedi Knight will be the first game that will convince you to buy a 3D card. And like, I could not tell the difference at all because the screenshots were tiny. But that, the, <laughs> but that was what placed the germ of an idea in my head that like, hey, this is going to be a piece of technology that's going to be really important for anyone sort of interested in the progression of uh, video game technology. So in a- every computer that we have, we have the CPU, right? Like the, the, g- the general processor. Yes. For a certain age, people hear the phrase like Intel inside mm. that is referencing the CPU. Not that everything is Intel, but I feel like that was the first time that I understood that there was something in my computer, basically, as, as a small child. What is the difference between a CPU and a GPU? Because you mentioned you don't have to have a GPU. You don't have to have a graphics card, essentially. Right. So in theory, like most of what a GPU can do could also be done by a CPU. It would just be way, way slower. And for a video game, that's a problem because you need to maintain a high frame rate, right? So they sort of work in tandem together. GPUs tend to, they're structured with a lot more cores than CPUs. So if you buy a PC or a phone, you'll hear about it having maybe like a dual core processor or a quad core processor, or maybe even an eight core processor. So to give you some idea, NVIDIA's latest GPU, the GTX 1080, has 2,560 cores. And uh, the high number of cores on GPUs makes them well-suited to working together and processing the same sort of task, which is good for performing complex calculations needed for things like 3D graphics. So obviously none of those thousands of cores are anywhere near as powerful individually as, you know, the two or four or eight that you'd find in a typical CPU. Um So CPUs are more general purpose, and they're better at solving the typical maths that you need to run regular computer programs. But when you have a complicated task like rendering realistic 3D graphics in real time, it's it's better to offload that to dedicated hardware. And that's why you basically need a a GPU for games these days. It's the combination of the GPU and the CPU processing the regular logic that makes it possible. But as you mentioned, it's it's worth pointing out that... um, 
it's not necessary to have a dedicated GPU for everything. And outside PC gaming, the lines are actually blurring quite a bit. You know, like obviously you need a GPU to run. I don't know, let's say, like the new the new Doom game to bring it full circle that came out last week, or um, anything in VR. But most consumer laptops, if you buy. I don't know, like an average MacBook, for example, that will have an Intel processor that in- integrates video performance into the CPU. They call it Iris, which is a form of integrated graphics that is, you know, it's not a dedicated piece of hardware. It's just inside the kind of overall CPU chip. And in reverse, some higher-end computers use GPUs for computing. So the the current Apple Mac Pro is not a good gaming PC, but it uses dual GPUs. It's built around that for various computing tasks. So that there is kind of an overlap, but the the conventional setup is that you have the, the CPU, and then if you care about running games and video performance applications, you need like a powerful GPU to, to sort of offload that from the CPU and get good results from that. Okay, let's talk about my favorite thing of all video game things. Hmm. The awful marketing. <laughs> how, how how have graphics cards been marketed over the years? Because it's a hard sell, mm. uh, right? Like, people didn't know if they needed it. They're incredibly expensive, or at least they can be. Uh, and they essentially what you're buying is, like, a chunk of, you know, metal and bits. Uh, so how, how did they convince people to buy it? Well, first of all, I mean, I think in the, in the early stages, it was still a pretty niche thing, right? It wasn't like... Yeah, like they're not selling the iPhone. They're selling to people who kind of want to buy crazy graphics. But the way to sell uh, crazy graphics to people that want crazy graphics is to give them crazy graphics. Uh, in the late '90s, you know, computer-generated rendering was it was kind of a novelty still, right? Like you know, Toy Story had just come out and so on. I, I I don't know if you've seen this. I'll always remember this issue of Next Generation magazine and the cover. It was dominated by this blurry alien from the original Unreal game. And it had this caption over the alien that said, yes, this is an actual PC game screenshot. (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious and it's embarrassing to look back on now. But um, that kind of thing was a symbol of, you know, graphical processing power. So as you can probably imagine, the graphics companies sort of like just doubled down on that. And, you know, they, they would put their cards in these gigantic boxes with just ridiculous you know, scantily clad women and, like, frogs riding mechs and wizards yeah. with crowns and, like, semi-accurately <laughs> rendered beards and so on. It, it, it's... I, I can't explain this as well as my good friend Rich McCormick did last year on a post on The Verge. Uh, he used to be an editor at PC Gamer, and now he is my uh, my other colleague in Japan. I would recommend anyone who wants to know about graphics card marketing search for Remembering the Lost Art of the Graphics Card Box on the Verge. And it has, and you will find some horrific y- imagery. Y- y- you will find some incredible stuff. There is like a flying tiger and uh, beards and frogs and uh, men drowning in dubious liquid and so on. It, it, <laughs> it's, it's all very confusing, but um, I, I highly recommend checking Don't it out. Don't search for dubious liquid, whatever you do. <laughs> Well, I think it, I, I believe uh, I believe Rich um, described it as shitty texture island in the background, and it was the sea surrounding shitty texture islands. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, okay, you, you mentioned you mentioned the new Nvidia card, um, which is kind of what prompted this entire podcast. So I I have I like you fell into I would call it kind of graphics card hell, 
where hmm. I really love pretty graphics. I would like to say that, uh, that, that, I mean, I will say that is not the only thing I love about video games, but if it's available, it's hard for me not to pine for it. Right. Like, that to me is the worst part about graphics cards, right? Like, you know, it could be better. Like, and, and that, I don't know, that like gets underneath my skin, which is like, so privileged i think there's two sort of aspects to if you're really into pc gaming there's two aspects to it right there's like the games that you're playing but there's also the kind of personal relationship you have with the hardware like because a lot of pc gamers build their own pcs from scratch right you know they're like deciding the case and the motherboard and the things that slot into it and so yeah it's like if if they kind of if you get bad performance in a game it's sort of like a it, it, it hits you in the heart, <laughs> you know, you're like, how can I, how can I fix this problem that I'm having? So yeah, like it, it, it's, it's sort of a, it's an emotional thing beyond the level of just the game itself. Yeah. Well, I, I guess you kind of like jump off that. How long is a graphics card relevant? Like I, I, I for, for, let's say for the average person and then let's say for like the hardcore, like, mm pc super fan so yeah like as you alluded to it it's really subjective it really depends what you want out of it so you know like i play pc games i would not consider myself a super hardcore pc gamer like my my gaming pc has a amd r9 270 which it was a pretty mid-range card even when i bought it like nearly two years ago but you know um my pc has a small case so size and power efficiency were important to me and you know this card runs most normal games on high settings or like maybe i'll turn something down to medium at 1080p pretty well it 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 like it does the job for me so like if i had bought that when it come out like yeah it it would last me at least three or four years i would say but like you said it there's a lot of people that um that's not their priority right like the whole point of getting into the hardware is sort of to make sure that you're on the bleeding edge, make sure that you can kind of get as much performance out of your hardware as possible. So that people like that probably don't care about size or power consumption, and they will probably buy the the most expensive thing available at the time that they build their system. And obviously their perception of when they need to upgrade will probably be skewed compared to the average person. So maybe they'll be looking at getting something new every two years, maybe because that's sort of when the, the how the cycle tends to go around but it yeah it, it's super subjective it really depends on what you want like you can absolutely build a pc that will last you for like many many years but if, if you're into it for the sort of pure love of the hardware you will you will kind of want to be comfortable with the idea of just moving on like fairly regularly yeah that's how and they make it tough now because it seems like every time you see every time a new gpu comes out it, they like show charts and they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're using the top of the line right now, you're getting <laughs> half the the frame rate at maximum settings. And it's like, oh, really? And then you try, and it's like nothing like that. Anyway, let's talk. You, you mentioned that uh, you have an AMD card, right? Yeah, I have an NVIDIA card. That makes us mm-hmm. enemies. Yes, I, I hate you. <laughs> Tell me about what what is this? What what is the NVIDIA AMD beef? Uh, for people. I wish you'd told me this before I started recording the podcast because I'm very tempted to just, you know, <laughs> cut it off right now. No, no, no. So, like, I, I, I have things with NVIDIA as well. And it's like, it, NVIDIA is basically the, the market leader right now. And um, going back to the 90s, I remember um, 
the big beef used to be Intel and AMD. And that was a time when CPUs were pretty important for gaming performance as well. You know, these days, like the GPU is, re- you, you, you can have a really old CPU and a really new GPU and still get pretty good performance. But um, in the 90s, like you kind of needed both. You, need, you would need a, a GPU and a good CPU. And AMD for a while actually outperformed Intel. Like I remember having a an AMD Athlon, which, you know, like uh, I thought was great back then. But um it, you know, Intel really outpaced AMD in the CPU field throughout the 2000s, and AMD is not super relevant there right now. But AMD did buy ATI, which was an old graphics company back in the 90s, and so AMD still does have some relevance. Although NVIDIA is very much the market leader, AMD still does have some relevance in the graphics field. And AMD also produces the chips that power the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. So it's it's kind of in the game in that regard. But NVIDIA, yeah, and NVIDIA really just sort of arose as the dominant market leader for a few reasons. Like the company I mentioned before, 3DFX, uh, really lost its way after the Voodoo 2. Like the Voodoo 3 launch was a real confusing disaster with a bunch of a bunch of models that really didn't make sense to the consumer. So, so one thing to note about graphics cards is basically the companies like 3DFX back then or NVIDIA now is they produce the specifications and then OEM companies produce the actual models that consumers buy as a rule so so you know when you buy an nvidia card you're usually you're going to buy it from a company like msi or gigabyte or so on and that was the case in the 90s with 3dfx but 3dfx for the voodoo 3 and so on decided to try and manufacture everything themselves and for a bunch of reasons that sort of did not work out they didn't license the cards and nvidia really kind of they managed to sort of leapfrog 3D effects by introducing its GeForce line, and ever since then, it's really been the kind of dominant GPU manufacturer. And A AMD, when it bought ATI in the mid two thousands, it kind of it's always been there, but it, Nvidia really feels like it's the company that is kind of pushing the marketplace forward. It's a bunch of um, features that Nvidia always in, uh, introduces, like G Sync is a thing that they they use to sort of like uh, match up the the frame rate of the monitor to the computer, and a you know like Nvidia will do something like that, and then AMD AMD will um, try to match it with a solution which we'll call open source, like FreeSync. The general perception is that Nvidia is the company at the cutting edge of the industry, and I think that is pretty much just the way it's going to play out for the near future because AMD is not, apart from its sort of influence in consoles, it's not doing a ton to like push the boundaries in the PC market. You know, like, like you just look at the hype around Nvidia's recent GeForce introductions, and AMD is never going to reach that. I look forward to the comments on this article. They're going to be <laughs> <laughs> exquisite. I say this is I say this is an AMD user, but it's like uh, like. You can you can buy an AMD card and it, it will like AMD makes really good GPUs they they do but it's just that a, Nvidia is the company that kind of like is the driving force of the industry right it, it it's just sort of that's just sort of the way it goes yeah. like and and I, I should note that AMD is likely to introduce like new cards very soon with its new architecture Polaris and like I'm sure if you buy one of those cards they will like do super well but the the paradigm of the industry is that Nvidia introduces its cards and it has its own features and Nvidia says jump and sort of PC gamers kind of say how high and that's just kind of the way it is. Okay, let's let's wrap on on giving both of them I guess a shot. Somebody uh they're like they listen to this podcast and they're like wow I don't know why but I am now convinced that I want to spend <laughs> upwards uh a thousand dollars every couple of years on a graphics card. 
what what do you recommend to well actually maybe maybe they don't want to spend that much what do you recommend to somebody who want who is building a pc and they want to buy uh their first graphics card right now well like i alluded to before um nvidia does sort of set the baseline for this kind of stuff and they just announced a couple of weeks ago the the new cards that I think will kind of set the bar for the next couple of years, the GTX 1080 and the 1070. And, you know, two years ago they announced the 980 and the 970. And I, I imagine the 1080 and 1070 will do much the same. So NVIDIA says that these two cards outstrip the performance of its current highest end cards, which are, like, super expensive, like the, 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 the Titan line, the Titan X, the, uh, the 980 Ti. But the 1080 comes in at $599, and the 1070 is 379 which I think makes them pretty aggressively priced, given that they will be the best cards in the market, assuming that they perform as well as NVIDIA says they do. So I, I think, I don't know, like, it, well, so, so for those who don't know, the way that these cards are developed is, it's pretty hard to, like, manufacture these to the high specifications and, like, get everything perfect. So, you know, NVIDIA will make the 1080, and it, it'll make a bunch of them on its factory lines, and not every core will, you know, it, not every core will uh, come out perfectly well, right? So, like, because of the yield rate. So... The way it kind of like bifurcates the line is it'll have the 1080 and then below it will be the 1070, which will be made the same way as the 1080, but it'll have a slightly lower tolerance for the number of activated cores. So as long as it meets like a certain line, the, the 1070 will be a successful 1070 and the 1080 will be a successful 1080. So we don't, the, the thing is, we don't really know like what that line is for the 1070 yet, but from what Nvidia has said, that is going to be like a really, really powerful card in itself. And it's only going to be $379, which is, you know, like that's that, that's more than a PlayStation 4. But for someone building a PC, I think that's going to be a pretty good a pretty good value because right now the baseline card that NVIDIA, or well, not NVIDIA, the baseline card that Oculus and HTC recommend for VR, like uh, for the next few years is uh, 970, which is sort of... The equivalent of the 1070 that NVIDIA launched two years ago. So I think if, you, if, if you're building a new PC and you buy a 1070, chances are that's going to be a fairly inexpensive option that's going to last you... It, like, it'll certainly give you a very good VR performance today, if that's the thing you're interested in. But more importantly, perhaps, it'll, it'll, it, it'll last quite a while. It, it, it'll give you like, quite a few years of, of leeway. The 1080, I would say, if, you, if, you want, if you're really comfortable spending $600 on a on a graphics card alone without the rest of the PC, then that's that's the one to get if you're um if you're really concerned about performance above all else. And, you know, like if for the for the angry commenters that you alluded to that may come later, perhaps they should wait for the uh latest AMD Polaris cards that are going to be announced at some point this year. But yeah, like I I think really you the average person should be looking at getting a ten seventy when that launches, which is gonna be later this summer. And probably reserve it if you're thinking about doing it at least that was my experience they saw i i i bought a 970 two years ago or whatever and those things sold out fast yeah that's another thing that nvidia is sort of um making this a little more difficult than it should be because they're well i don't know like maybe they have their problems on their end but that they have they're releasing these cards initially as founders editions which basically means the reference card that nvidia builds themselves and they're they're going to come first before the models made by other companies, which mean, but they're also charging more for you know the founders editions. So it means that you're probably going to have to wait a while if you want to be able to buy one of those initial editions, and you're going to pay a bit more. So yeah, like it, it, you should probably 
wait to see the lay of the land before building a PC around these chips, I would say. Yeah. Just make it through summer. That's the trick. (laughs) (laughs) As as always. Uh, Cool. Thank you for doing the show today, man. No worries at all. We should catch up in six months or so when we have spent too much money on graphics cards. Oh my uh, gosh. We'll do an episode called What is Managing Your Finances? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you all for listening. Thank you to our producer, Andrew Marino, who does this each week. And that's it. (laughs) Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye.